0: Amen. Let's go ahead and... uh... Just anticipate that God wants to do something in your life. I know I say this a lot um, on Sunday mornings when, when you come in here, but I really believe it, and that's, that's kind of where I am. Um, without sharing my whole testimony with you, I wasn't raised in church. I met Jesus when I was uh, um, early as a child. I knew there was a God, but I met Jesus when I was 17, finally surrendered my life to him when I was 19, and understood that God wasn't um, mad at me and willing to put up with me. He actually was in love with me. Um, And that's why he came. And so in the midst of all of that, um, I have come to a place, even before I became a pastor, that... When I go to church, I actually anticipate hearing from God. It's like, no, I, I want God to say something to me. I, I still believe that God speaks to you and I today. Um, I don't think that God created all of this, sent his son to die for us, and then said, now leave me alone, get on with your life, I'll see you when you get here in heaven. I don't believe that. I believe very much that he wants to be involved in your life, and when I can't understand it and it's too deep for me to understand, guess what? I leave that in God's hands. I don't have to understand it. His ways are not my ways, and his thoughts are not my thoughts, and therefore I trust him, not me. And so I want to say, God, come. So let's just come before the Lord in prayer. Father, as we open up your word this morning, God, we're hungry for you. Lord, we're the ones that got out of the bed. We're the ones that braved the cold. We're the ones, Lord, that warmed up the car for a couple of minutes. We're the ones, God, we just want you. As we come in here, we don't always know how it all works, but we're here. Because we want to be where you are. On, on, on just the, the idea that if we just prepare our hearts, that you, in fact, will say something significant to us. And in the course of events, we will continue this life that we lead of constantly being changed from glory to glory, from eternity to eternity, God, becoming more like you until the day the trumpet blows. So we come in here and we're hungry, God. So we invite you, Holy Spirit, to come to meet us here and to move us out of your way if necessary. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, We're in this, um, it's not really a sermon series, our staff would call it a series that's not a series, but it actually has a title because I want to talk to you about this idea that the word for 2024 is represent, and how do we represent, and are we representing, and what are we doing to represent, and what's it going to mean for you to represent, and I think probably one of the most significant, most important places for you to represent is in your home. That is probably the single most important place for you to represent. It is not the single most important place for you to stand on a soapbox and preach the gospel um, in front of the television. It's not the single most important place for you to tell everybody in the family what they're doing wrong because you read something in the book of First John. It's not the place to do that. It is the place for you to live out your relationship with Jesus Christ on a regular basis by loving your family and also not being afraid to share with them what Jesus did. And and, and this is really important. What is Jesus doing? You ever had somebody say, Hey, would you share your testimony with the group? And you begin to say, what does it mean to share my testimony? And people, when I'm talking to them, will say, well, I got saved in you know, 1985, and I got, and it's like, that, that's not always your testimony. Sometimes your testimony is, what is God doing in your life right now? What's he doing right now in your life that you could share with your family, with your coworkers, with that you can be praying about with some of these people? Well, I want to share with you a story from the book of Mark, chapter 5. So if you want to go there in your Bible, on your phone, or pay attention to what's going to show up on the screen, this is really amazing. I believe with all of my heart that redemption is salvation and transformation, okay? It's not just salvation. It's not just transformation. You can know the gospel of Jesus Christ and all the steps to salvation and still go to hell. You can believe that Jesus is the Christ, that he is the Son of God, that God sent him down here to die for our sins, raised him from the dead, and then he went to heaven, he's going to come back and get us, and you can still go to hell. Want me to prove that? Because the scripture says even the demons believe all of that, they're not going to heaven. See? It's about you and I following after Jesus. It's not about you and I being good enough. Do not confuse works with the understanding of belief. I was in a conversation even this morning where we've got to recognize that you believe in the chair that you're sitting on right now, and the evidence is you walked in here and you sat down, and from my perspective, and I didn't watch every one of you, not a one of you grabbed that chair and moved it around a little bit to make sure it would take your took Huh? Not a, one of them, you, not a one of you went down real slow just in case it breaks. You, know? you believed with all your heart that that chair will do exactly what it says it is, that it is what we told you it was, and you came in here. and Some of you flopped down on the chair. I mean, you, you, you gave it a chance to break. I mean, you well, oh, and sat right back, you know. And, and there it was. Because belief, scripturally speaking, is not... Academic acknowledgement. It's not knowing information. It's knowing and therefore acting. Last week we talked about the idea that Christians were called Christians first in Antioch. We read that from the book of Acts. And the idea was that people were trying to make fun of people who were trying to go around and follow the teachings of Jesus by acting like Jesus. Not pretending that they were like the Son of God themselves, but rather they were just trying to live out love. They were trying to live out appropriateness. They were trying to live out truth. They were trying to live out morality. They were trying to be different than the culture they lived in. They weren't trying to fit into their culture. And so we recognize that salvation comes with transformation. So let me, let me jump in here. Let me jump in here. Mark chapter 5. Love this story because it shares this very idea, transformation and salvation. Beginning at verse 1, it says, They, Jesus and his disciples, went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes, Gadarenes, Okay, there's a number of words that are used there depending on where you're using Greek, Hebrew, um, or the local. Okay, when Jesus got out of the boat, because they're in a boat and they went across the lake, a, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs. Okay, so he landed pretty close to a graveyard. So he came out of the tombs to meet him. Man with an evil spirit inside of him. All right, unclean spirit, a spirit that does not follow God, does not belong to God, came out and met him. This man lived in the graveyard, in the tombs, and no no one could bind him anymore please circle that in in your bible if you've got a paper bible with you nobody could bind him anymore you know what that means right it means they used to bind him but now they can't do it anymore all right and i would say that the answer for why is in here okay this man lived in the tombs no one could bind him anymore not even with a chain clearly that means they tried All right, so we're looking at this. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart, broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills he would cry out and cut himself with stones. Picture the man however you want, but picture him tormented horribly by what was inside of him. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus, and look at here, Jesus saw this guy coming, and he already said, according to this right here, for Jesus had said to him, had said, already said. Jesus sees the guy coming, and he says, Come out of this man, you evil spirit. He'd already said it. And as a result of that, he said, don't torture us. And Jesus said, what is your name? And he said, my name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again and again not to send them out of the area. And a large herd of pigs was feeding on the hillside nearby, and the demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission, and the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs, the herd of about two thousand in number rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. And those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and the countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. All of their four hundred one k's just jumped in the lake. You say what? They went into town. They went and told the town that two thousand pigs that couldn't have belonged to just one guy, but belonged to all these people had run down the cliff. What does that tell you about the people? They're not Jewish. Or they're not good Jewish people. Because these were pigs. These were unclean animals. They ran down the hill and they jumped into the lake and they're bobbing down there in and out, probably swimming in circles and the whole bit until they all drowned and died. It says, the people went out to see what had happened, and when they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people um, what had happened to the demon-possessed man, and told about the pigs as well, because somebody's going to ask where the pigs are. Somebody's going to ask where the money went. they told him about the pigs as well. And look at this, and I want you to to, to color this in your heart if you don't have a paper Bible with you. Look at what it says there. That's verse 7 right there, or 17 right there. And then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. Get out of town, please. We don't want you in this area now I don't know about you but there is a lot going on this story that we need to grasp not the least of which is the pigs The pigs let us know that Jesus is not dealing with a very um, orthodox, if I can say it that way, Jewish community at best, but probably is dealing with Gentiles. He comes into an area where a man for years and years and years and years has been tormenting people, beating on people, hounding people, and there are a legion of demons inside of him. And I would say that when the man initially became possessed by a demon, that uh, they had initially been able to tie him up with ropes. And I would, I would surmise, and I'm, I'm writing this in my head, that the more le- uh, demons that came inside of him, as that number began to grow, that those ropes didn't hold. And then when they switched to chains, they're not big anchor chains like you see on tanker um, ships, that, uh, but they're, they're local chains, if you would, and that those chains could be broke, but initially those chains held the man hand and foot. They held them. And as more demons came into this man, they didn't hold anymore. And as more demons came in, he began to run around and cut himself and scream and cry and live in the graveyard, and he's bleeding, and he's got cuts, and he's got sores, and he's living by himself, and nobody wants to go down that road, so to speak, to where he might be. And this is the picture, and Jesus comes in. And all Jesus does is get out of the boat and sees the man, commands the demons to go, and, uh, uh, and this guy says, hey, don't torture us. Um, there's a herd of pigs. Send us into the pigs. And uh, um, the, the story is there, and that's what's going on. And uh, so Jesus says, fine, you want to go into the pigs, go into the pigs. Okay, he's not casting them to hell. He's not casting them to the abyss. He's not casting them to the lake of fire. And just understand, those three things are three different geographical locations. They're not metaphors for having a rough time at work. They are honest-to-goodness geographical locations, according to Scripture. And so uh, Jesus says, fine, go into the pigs and be drowned. I don't know what happens to a demon when it's inside of an animal and then it drowns. Um, I will say that uh, in light of this particular passage, every time I buy a dog, every time I bought a horse, every time I I would always preach the gospel to the animal, lay hands on it and pray for it. I mean, it's the craziest thing you ever saw, but you know, I just believe that my horse was saved and I do believe that all my dogs are saved. If you don't think they're saved, come to my house. For the first 15 minutes, you'll think they're possessed and after that, you'll think they're saved and you want one just like it i totally get that okay i get that but i'm telling you the truth i sat down with those animals looked them in the eye and told them the gospel okay because this man i mean the demons in this man asked to be sent into those animals so it's a possibility at the very least and some of you are like, yeah, my neighbor's got a chihuahua. There's no doubt in my, my mind. I wasn't thinking it was a whole legion, but now that you say, it could be. It could be, all right? <laughs> but here's the, here's, here's the deal of what's going on. <clears throat> we get to the place where Jesus casts the demon out. And the thing that I wanted you to remember about that last verse was, and I'll say it again later, <clears throat> when Jesus comes into town, amazing things happen. But when it starts to get expensive, when it starts to ca- cost cash money, people often are done with Jesus and Christianity. They often are. It's kind of crazy that that's the way it works. But let's look at the story, okay? I have a I have a number of one two three one two three one two three fours today for you, okay? All of the people knew what was up with this guy. He was notorious. All of the people knew who he was. All the people knew the problems. All the people interacted with him. <clears throat> I don't know that the, uh, the area of the Gergesenes or the Gadarenes was an area where there's 15 million people living, but I would say that there was at least a couple thousand people and they all interacted as a community. And everybody knew that guy. They knew his mom and dad. They knew his wife and kids if he had some before, they were, uh, or before he was possessed. But at the end of the day, everybody knew him. We often think that nobody knows about the things that are going inside of us and we're often only fools ourselves. Because we're all human beings. And we all wrestle with and struggle with a lot of the same things together. And yet, instead of trying to get help, we try to hide it. See? Instead of representing, we cover it. And so these people knew who this guy was. They knew he'd been um, a chained hand and foot. They knew that he had been attempted to be subdued. This man was possessed by a demon. It was a legion. A legion is a minimum of 4,200. It can be as many as 6,000. A Roman legion is. And so there was at least, you know, this number. I think what um, the Scripture is trying to tell us is that there were many, 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 many demons there. I don't think it was trying to define a number. I think it was trying to tell us that there were many, many. That this man was absolutely living in torture in a very extreme um, uh, means. Please do not be foolish enough to think that this does not happen today. You know, we live in a world that's, well, that's a third world country. Uneducated, unlearned people. They still believe in spirits. I believe in spirits. I do. My God is a spirit. Anybody that comes to to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. But my God is a spirit. The Holy Spirit who is God is a spirit. (laughs) I believe in spirits. I do. I believe in demons. I believe in angels. I believe angels that were cast to earth became demons. I believe that they lost their angelhood. Can we say it that way? They lost their angelhood. I believe that the sons of uh, God began to um, have sex with the women of men. I believe that that's where demons come from. I believe that. I believe that that it still happens today. I believe the devil is the great accuser. I believe that if you've surrendered your life to Jesus, I don't mean said the words, I mean surrendered. I'm going back to the conversation I had this morning. I believe that if you've surrendered your life to Jesus and you're doing your best to follow him, that he's going to come after you. I believe he's going to. He's fine when you sit down and you shut up and you don't say a word and you don't push the kingdom of God and you don't tell people there's hope and you don't share the light. I believe with all of my heart. He's happy with that and he doesn't care. But when you begin to grow, when you actually begin to be transformed from who you were five years ago, now I believe he's going to come after you and do everything he can to turn you back into that person that you were before you met him. And he will send as many demons as he needs to. Why? Because God loves you. And he's an angel. And he got kicked out of heaven. And God came down here and you are a filthy sinner. And God's welcoming you to heaven through the blood of Jesus Christ. I believe it's because God loves you. I believe it's because you belong to God. And I believe it's because you have a future and he doesn't. The day is going to come when the devil, the scripture says in the book of Revelation, When the devil, all his unholy angels, will be chained up and cast into hell. And hell and the devil and his unholy angels will be cast into the lake of fire. See? That's scriptural. And the devil knows that. He knows he's lost already, just like you know. But we don't always live like we know because sometimes our world, we take our eyes off of spiritual things. But it happens. Peter warned us 2,000 years ago when he said, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for somebody to devour. Resist him. Resist him. Push back. Resist him. Standing firm in your faith because you know that the family of believers throughout this world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. You are not facing any temptation, Paul said to the church in Corinth, except that which is common to man. See? So therefore, we can come together and help one another. We can do that. Number one, everybody knew that guy. Number two, a legion of demons lived inside of him. A legion, 4,200, very, very many. Paul tells us that we can push back on those demons in this manner. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood, speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one physical body gathered together. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry and don't give the devil a foothold. If the devil gets a foothold in your life, his goal will be to come in, according to Paul, and build a stronghold, and we tear down strongholds, he said. We tear down strongholds. Anybody who's been stealing must steal no longer. You know, when I read that scripture as a kid, it meant a lot to me because I was a horrible little stealer. I was. I was a horrible stealer. But that became important to me. It says, but we must work doing something useful with our own hands so that we may have something to share with those in need. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God when he tells you to go over and pray for that person. Do not say, oh, that's just last night pizza talking. Go do it. And if you get home and you're like, oh, I think I really was supposed to do it, go back and do it. And watch what spiritual things begin to happen in your life. So don't grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, get rid of all rage, different from, but also get rid of anger, brawling. You don't need to be going around fighting people on Friday night. That's not what you've been called to do. Don't go fight them. I hear the Lord saying that to me in my car when I'm sitting in the driver's seat and I want to get out and fight them because they're going that slow in the left lane or they cut me off or all the things. I want to fight them. My natural instinct is let's go have a, a throwdown. I'll probably get pummeled, but who cares? Don't be that person. Don't be the person of your flesh. Be the person filled with the Spirit and slander. Don't go around slandering each other. That's how we push the devil back. Don't go slandering each other, along with every form of malice, desire to see bad things happen to people. I don't want to see bad things happen to people. Third thing I want to share with you in this particular line is, um, I don't believe that a Christian can be possessed. I really don't. There's just no doubt in my mind that an actual Christian person can be possessed, because if the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, he is jealous for you. That's a scriptural um, thing. The, the Holy Spirit is jealous for the Spirit inside of us, the Scripture says. And I don't believe that he's going to share space with the enemy. He's not going to do it. He's not going to say, okay, but you stay in that room over there. He's not going to do that. When the Holy Spirit fills you up, the goal is to keep pushing out any darkness that's there. Not that the devil has to, gets to stay until you do, but the idea is you keep letting go of your humanity. And I believe that you don't have to ever worry about that at all. Jesus says that he gets rid of the enemy with a word, and that in one place in the Scripture is just the word go. But in Matthew 8, the Scripture says, when evening came, many people who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word and healed the sick. You have authority. All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. Jesus is saying, I am giving you authority. He said, You will do what I've been doing and you will do greater things. God, as you are my witness, I am ready for greater things. Not to have more greater things in my possessions, but to be used by God to do greater things in other people's lives, to see them healed, to see them loved to see them cared for, to see them come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. That's what I'm ready for. James says, submit yourself then to God and resist the devil, and he will flee for you. You don't have to watch that show. You don't have to look at those pictures. You don't. In those moments, that's the time to say, just like Jesus did to Peter, get thee behind me. But I can't ask for God's blessing while I'm doing the exact thing God said, don't do. I can't do it. James goes on to say, this is Jesus' brother. He goes on to say, come near to God and he'll come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, and you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves. That's the whole point of that whole phrase in there. Humble yourselves before the Lord and let him lift you up. But resist the devil and he will flee. The fourth thing in this line, I think, is when God moves and it gets expensive, and here it is again, people will ask Jesus to leave they will. When you look at Christianity, you say, hey, I like this part, this part, this part, this part, but if it starts getting expensive and the Lord says, hey, I want you to give up your job and I want you to go into ministry, say, like, yeah, I don't want that part. Then the Lord says, hey, I want you to go into ministry, but I want you to go to Africa. I had a conversation with somebody about Africa last year, I mean last week, and it was like they, they want to be involved in ministry, but they don't want to go to Africa. Okay, I knew somebody like that at one point, Okay, very close to me personally, Did not want to go into ministry because she might have to go to Africa. when I asked her, what's the problem with Africa? She said, they had bugs and they had snakes. And I said, have you gone outside? Okay, they have bigger bugs and big snakes. You know what? When God asks, even if it's expensive, we do it. Malachi challenged the people in his book, in his letter, the prophet Malachi in the Old Testament, to give God what he is owed And he challenges them, if you owe God tithes, then give him tithes. But that's not where he stops. If you owe God thanks, then give him thanks. What can you, in the midst of your joy, thank God for right now? If you had a paper, what would you write on it? And what can you thank God for in the midst of your fear, your discouragement? Here, let me add this one. And being angry at God you're allowed to be angry at god he knows that you can't hide it from him when you're angry what can you be thankful for because if we owe god thanks then we should give him thanks and if it's testimony then it's time for us to represent it's time for us to represent you rich young man heard what jesus was asking of him what it meant to be a christian and the scripture will tell us that the rich young man went away downcast. With his soul and his countenance cast from his being, he was depressed because Jesus said, sell everything you've got, give to the poor, come and follow me. And the fact of the matter was, Jesus doesn't say that to everybody. He touches us where we put our, our, our most faith and trust so that we'll put it on him. Okay? But here's the crux of the point of this whole teaching Matthew, or from Mark chapter 5. He heals this guy. The demons get in the pigs run down over the cliff. It gets expensive for the town. They literally come out and say, if this is Christianity, we want you out of here. We don't want you teaching here. It's too expensive. The first lesson was too expensive. Okay? And the, ki- the guy that was saved, the guy that was transformed, the guy whom all the demons left ran to Jesus as Jesus was getting into the boat, that man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. I don't know why they don't say his name was Levi, and Levi ran after Jesus and said, can I come, can I come, can I come? And this guy will forever be known as the guy that was demon-possessed, even in heaven. I'm sure he's got a name, and we'll get to know it. But until then, He's the guy who was demon, like the woman at the well. What was her name, Martha? We don't know. She's the woman at the well. Okay? And Jesus did not let him go. He said, no, you cannot come and follow me. That just seems wrong. Instead, he said, go home to your your own people and represent You say, I I don't see that word there, Pastor Joe. Okay, okay. Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. That's the same thing as represent. Go home. And tell your family what Jesus did and what he's doing. Go home and tell your family. Jesus said, you can't come on the mission trip. I want you to go home and tell your family what I did for you. Go home and start there first. So the man went away and began to tell in the ten cities, the Decapolis, that means ten cities, He wasn't just going to tell his family, he was going to tell anybody he bumped into because this was the most exciting thing. And like I said last week, when something really good happens, when we get a new car, when we get a new job, when we get a new baby, when we get new things we can't talk about in church because you'll be the one that outs them, amazing things happen when we tell people. See? And when amazing things happen, we tell people. And this man could not keep his mouth shut about what Jesus had done. And it says, and all the people that listened to him were amazed. Jesus told him to represent. Winding this thing down slowly, what can we take home from this? What can we take home from this story? Real quick, just theologically speaking, dead people have to hide what they do. There is a wicked deep theological statement to wrestle with. Dead people have to hide in the tombs. Dead people will hurt themselves. Dead people will do whatever they want, whenever they want, however they want, and that's just the way it's going to be. He hid in the tombs and in the hills. He hurt people, and he could not be persuaded, subdued, chained, anything like that. Jesus said, "Everyone who hates evil—excuse me, who does evil hates the light, and will not come into the light, for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so that so that it may be seen, seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God." Second thing is that Jesus came to set the captive free. He said that in Luke chapter four, and he meant it. And when he showed up on that beach, and that man came running out, he set that man free. He set that man free. We need to see more of that in our own lives. He came to set you free. He came to set me free. He came to set my enemy free. He came to set my friend free. We have got to get back to the place where we want to see Jesus set people free. And we don't care who it is. We want to celebrate with Jesus who he's going to set free. Jesus said, in Luke 4, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He's anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Favor. Number three, when there's a move of God in your life, you can't keep it quiet. I'll admit, I was a little bit obnoxious when Jesus saved my soul. I was. I needed to tell people, I needed to talk to people and it was so bad that I wanted my sister to come to know Jesus and my wife told me finally to stop talking to her about Jesus. And I thought that was the most unchristian thing I'd ever heard in my life. A couple of months later she surrendered her life to Jesus, a couple of uh, weeks after that she asked me to come down to the Dallas area and baptize her, a couple of weeks after that and she's busy in a church. Years after that, she's led, I don't know how many people in her neighborhoods to Jesus, and she's the church secretary in a, in a I don't know, two or three thousand member church in, in Keller, Texas. Wow. You don't know what's going to do, or what God's going to do, but when there's a move in your life, you have to tell people, Jesus died for my sins. He has forgiven me, and he has transformed me but I have not arrived. There are still things in my attitude, in my heart that need to change. There are. And I need to hear that from the Lord, from people that I trust, people that love me. It has to happen. God raised Jesus from the dead after Jesus died for my sins. I have an ongoing relationship with Jesus, not a ticket out of hell. An ongoing relationship with Jesus That the side benefit is, I'm not going to hell. Okay? But I'm not focusing on hell. I'm focusing on Christ in relationship with me. And I'm focusing on the idea that Jesus went to prepare a place for me and that he's coming back to get me. And I don't know when that's going to be, and it could be any second. And I believe that Jesus wants to transform you as well. I believe that in the transformation, we become representatives of the kingdom of God. And when they see the change inside of us, they want to know why. And then we hear the scripture say, and always be ready to give a reason for the hope that lies within you in season and out of season. Because when you're representing, then God can send people to you that you can share with them. Transformed, transforming And Christ will transform me when he comes back. Paul tells Timothy and Titus this way. It starts with your family. Here's a trustworthy saying, whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. Now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-control, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. And this is it. Verse 4, he must manage his own family well, see that his children obey him, and he must also do so in a manner worthy of full respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family how can he take care of God's church this person must also not be a recent convert or he may may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil he must also have a good reputation with a good reputation with outsiders so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap and I think Paul's saying we have an obligation to our families first We need to represent Christ to our spouses, our children, our parents, our siblings, and there's got to be some credibility, Paul says. So I want to encourage you, as you think about sharing with your family, tell your story, but tell it often. Tell it often. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Don't be polishing it up and making it look really super, super good so that it's more palatable in your estimation. Our children need to know that they are never beyond redemption till that trumpet blows, that they have never wandered so far from God that God's not waiting for them with open arms and wanting them to come back. Secondly, share your transformation. If I asked you what changed in your life, what would you say? Our children need to believe that God did it for us, so he'll do it for them. And don't cheapen it. When you share your transformation, share what God is doing now, not what he did 20 years ago, or not just what he did 20 years ago. And then let them see Jesus in the words of our mouth and the deeds of our life. Read to your children Pray with your children, not just your children. Don't be afraid to include your family. But also serve them and teach them the things that Jesus taught us. When you need to, ask their forgiveness. Love your spouse, love your children, no matter the circumstance. You don't always have to use words to do that. Convince people that you love them by what you do for them on their behalf and watch what begins to happen in your life. You and I have been called to represent in 2024. We are called to represent Jesus Christ to the world. But it has to start with our families. It has to. I heard a person um, say one time that um, when, when students came to him and asked, hey, would you sponsor me? I'm going over to Southeast Asia, that means China, um, to do missionary work. He said, the first thing I ask them is, are you doing missionary work right here? Are you representing in the community that you are in, or will you only represent if you go across an ocean? We've been called to represent represent don't be afraid don't be afraid let's pray Holy Spirit we come before you right now and we thank you for what this means God I personally thank you for this story I thank you that there's a man that appeared to be so far gone and beyond redemption and beyond value beyond what the community wanted beyond welcome, beyond friends beyond love because he was so full of hell Sometimes, God, it feels that way in our lives, that we're struggling, we're having a difficult time, we're fighting demons, and there's too many of them. But there's not, because a whole legion was put off by one Jesus, one Jesus, because there's only one Jesus. And I thank you for that authority. Thank you that there's no fear of hell's minions. There's only the joy of being a family member of God that gives us authority to push back. As we come before you, O Lord God, we want to be set free. And we want to tell our story to our families, to our friends, to our workers. And I just ask and pray that you would begin to do that inside of us. So we say, come Holy Spirit. What is the thing? In Jesus' name, amen. I don't have anything written beyond this, except that I believe that right now is the time to invite you to your feet because we're going to sing this closing song. But if you're in here and you're still processing the story of this man that was struggling with life, that was struggling with demons, that was struggling with things that had happened to him, that was struggling with things that were inside of his life that seemed too big for him to handle, and you need Jesus to step in If if you need to stop and say, I need you, Jesus, we would like to pray for you. And I'm not here to do anything dramatic other than to say, if I'm going to preach and tell you that Jesus wants to do something in your life this morning, then I'm going to give you an opportunity. And I want to invite you to just move out of wherever you are and come up here and let us pray for you. You're, you're saying, man, I, I relate too much to not being able to let go of the demons in my past, the demons in my life, the demons at work, the demons in my family, the whatever it is. And you're saying, I, I, I just want prayer. I just want it to be different. Can we pray for you today? Can we pray for you today? And if that's a, if, if, if you're saying, yes, but, do me a favor, just come on up here. Just, yes, but your way all the way up here it's okay. It's all good. I believe Jesus wants to do something in your life, and I believe he wants us to start, and I think he wants it to be significant. I believe that he wants it to be eternal. Yeah. Anybody else? Yeah. I believe that God wants to do good things in our lives and I believe sometimes we get in our way but sometimes it's hell sometimes the devil is coming after you sometimes the demons are harassing you sometimes it's not you and bad choices you made and it's okay to say you know what I need this out of my life All right, could I have the prayer team come up here fathers we come before you we thank you for what you're doing right here right now and we just invite you Holy Spirit to come and God in the name of Jesus Christ I want to speak to the darkness that might be here and I just say go get out not because of my righteousness but because of your great name God because of your great name and the authority from your son Jesus Christ we say get out you have no place you accuser. You have no place, you tormentor. You have no place, you tempter. We rebuke you. And in the name of Jesus, because the love of God Almighty is here in this place right now, we command, we proclaim these sins forgiven. And we proclaim wholeness emotionally, spiritually, the lives of these ladies. So we say, Come, Lord, and fill them up to overflowing. Make them aware that you are here in Jesus' name.